tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Recorded live. Well, we're glad to have Edward Henry with us tonight. And I, uh, it's kind of a short notice I asked him to come on because I had before listened to a presentation that he had done on YouTube regarding uh, the reality of the fact that the Bible is clear that God is sovereign over evil. And, of course, a lot of people don't want to deal with that subject. It's not a real popular subject. Uh, evidenced by the fact that we don't have uh, myriads of people listening to on this call. But at the same time, I think it's a, a subject that needs to be dealt with. Um, I know that that was the crucial thing um, that really um, brought me to the gospel, was the ninth chapter of Romans, as well as some other passages uh, in my contending with that issue. Um, and so with that, I'm going to have uh, Edward Henry just kind of explain what brought him to actually even address this on YouTube, as well as uh, kind of go over the presentation. And then, you know, I might have some questions from time to time. I might pop in, Ed. But Ed, I'm going to just turn it over to you at this point and let you kind of do a little bit of a summary of uh, what brought you to this subject. Okay. Well, the subject is really unavoidable. Uh, when you're talking uh, about God's sovereignty, it inevitably comes up. If he's sovereign, then how do you explain evil? And right. uh, the um, it's, I think, addressed very aptly in Isaiah. So Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7, it states, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. So God explains right there that he creates evil. So he is the creator of all things. Now, why is that passage in there? Why is it necessary that God has to explain that? Uh, and some are of the view, and I haven't done an extensive study on that because it's somewhat extra biblical, but some have done the view that what Isaiah is trying to address here in that passage is the error of Zoroastrianism that, uh, that is even, uh, I mean, that, that error is even today. And that is this idea that God is the, the creator, okay, but he is not omnipotent. So in Zoroastrianism, uh, God is, they, they call him almighty, but he's not omnipotent. That is that uh, he is all good, uh, which is true, God is holy, but that no evil, that he did not create any evil, that he's opposed by what they call an angry spirit, which uh, has devolved into the devil, okay? And that man is responsible for his deeds, and he has a free will, 
and that it's important to do good deeds and do the right thing. Uh, because then you, if you don't, okay, you do evil, that's outside of God's control, okay? He doesn't create evil. That's something you do, see? So uh, there's a dichotomy in, in, the creative, in the creation. So they have a, a God who is a creator, but he did not create evil. So this is, this is very, very similar to, in fact, it parallels almost exactly the Arminian philosophy. So under Arminianism, God is, is almighty. He creates all things. But he did not, the thing that he did not create is evil. And then they ascribe that evil to Satan or man, just as uh, Zoroastrianism does. It's very similar. I mean, this, this, is a, uh, this is a theology that is in Arminianism that is ancient. This is an ancient theology, that man has a free will and that it's important to do the right thing. And so you have Arminian pastors uh, who are in what they call Christian churches, but they're actually teaching a theology of Zoroastrianism. It is an error. Uh, it is not Christian theology, okay? Uh, the way you explain evil is that God created evil. He created all things. Uh, the fall of Adam was no surprise to God. That was planned by God. The rebellion of, Luc of Lucifer, uh, Satan, uh, that was planned by God. He created Lucifer. He knew of the rebellion, okay? And that's all within God's omnipotence. Okay, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he is all-powerful, he is sovereign. Now, the Arminians would like to say that God is sovereign, okay, but those are simply words. Uh, the, the idea of sovereignty uh, to Arminians is, is somewhat foreign. Uh, this uh, a Pastor Timothy Ramsey, he likes to make a distinction between sovereignty and total sovereignty, okay, so he says, yes, God is sovereign, but he's not totally sovereign. And, I mean, th that makes no sense. If you're sovereign, then you're totally sovereign. If they're synonymous. I mean, you can't have, uh, it's like saying somebody's more perfect. If you're perfect, you're perfect. You, you, you're not lacking anything. You can't be more perfect, okay? So to be sovereign, you're sovereign. You can't be totally sovereign. So they've even created a language, these Arminian uh, pastors have created a language for their false deity whom they think is God, uh, but is not really God. He's more like a, a genie, okay, <laughs> who can grant wishes, but he is really powerless uh, outside the will of man. Man has a free will, and he can, he can veto the decisions of God. So if God has decided to save somebody, man can veto, under the Arminian theology, that decision. Man has complete control. And so what you have in Arminianism and Zoroastrianism is this idea of the godhood of man, okay, and the godhood of Satan. So you have these deities battling it out, okay? So you have Satan on the one hand, Who's, who's evil, you have God who's only good, okay, and Satan is as powerful as God. He is, he, is, he is like a God. Man is thrown into the mix, okay, 
man is as powerful as God. So this is a Arminianism is 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 a, is a type of uh, polytheism, really. And, and when you really dig into it, because if man can veto what God has decided, that makes man a, a, a deity in in a sense, and as powerful as God, he can determine his own salvation. That's a pretty amazing thing. And so, uh, in the video, I deal with uh, statements made by Norman Geisler, Chad Meister, Roger Olson. Uh, you know, uh, Jeff Carlson, I, I cite what they have said with regard to uh, uh, God as the creator and the nature of his sovereignty, okay? And in, in most of these cases, uh, what they point to is man's free will as an explanation for evil, okay? That we, there is evil in this world because man has a free will. That's their linchpin. Okay, this idea that man has a free will and that explains evil. Um, so the the um, uh, the idea of man having a free will is impeached by the gospel. Okay, so uh, you know, and so the the um, they they can't get around they can't get around uh, Isaiah forty five seven. So they have to. They have to explain it in some way. Now, there's a very clever explanation uh, by uh, William. No, it's um, uh, Jeff Carlson. Yeah, Pastor Jeff Carlson. He made a very interesting argument. And his argument is this that God is light, and that when God created light, Okay, darkness was already there. So in Genesis, his argument is, if you, if you look at Genesis, and I'll just open it up to Genesis, if you read Genesis, uh, chapter, uh, um, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Well, the problem, the problem with Jeff Carlson's uh, construct is it's a complete deception, and he has to know that. Uh, he's lying. Uh, that's not that. At the, first of all, yes, God does say in in verse three, "Let there be light," and He does create light. But what He skips over is verses one and two, and it says in verses one and two, "In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters." Now here we have verse one and two. God creating, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. God created the earth, and he created the darkness that was on the face of the deep. He created darkness before he created light. So darkness, yes, was created by God. And so for Carlson to claim that God created light and that God is light and he had nothing to do with darkness. Darkness was simply there. Darkness is the lack of light, is, is not to read the Bible for what it says. And so typical of Arminians, they skip over passages. They just skipped over verses 1 and 2 and got to 3 and decided to create his theology. And, you know, he, he's supposed to be a theologian, uh, and so this was purposely done. It wasn't a mistake. He's deceiving people. Uh, you know, God makes it clear 
that um, I form the light and create darkness. So in Isaiah 45, 7, it says he creates darkness. So Carlson will say, no, darkness just exists. God doesn't create it. I make peace and create evil. No, God doesn't create evil. That's all. That's the result of man's uh, fallen nature and of his free will. Okay. So what do we see in the Bible as examples? Okay. Um, now we, we see it as examples of that. Job. Okay. So what does what does God do? Uh, he allows Satan to have free reign to kill all of Job's children, destroy his property. Okay. And that, those were evil things. The Bible makes it clear that those were evil things that were done, and they were done by God. God gave Satan permission to do that. And then when Job did not curse God, God gave Satan permission to strike his health. And he had boils from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. Now, God restored him in the end, okay, because uh, all things work for the good for those who love the Lord. So in the end, it worked out for Job, but that was an evil thing, the crucifixion of Christ. Again, that's another example of a great evil done by God. Uh, he created that evil. He was involved from beginning to end in that. I mean, if you, you read in Acts chapter 4, where it says, Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatever thy hand, God's hand, and thy counsel, God's counsel, determined before to be done. It was God's hand that brought them to do that. And so what could be more evil than the crucifixion of God Almighty, okay, which is what happened at the crucifixion of Christ. And that was all preordained by God, planned by God, uh, and it was executed by God, by his hand, by his counsel. Uh, and that was evil that God created. Why? Ultimately for our salvation. So it does, do the ends justify the means with God? Yes. God can do that. God can have the ends justify the means because he is God. Okay? So we are not allowed to do that. We cannot do that. We cannot justify the ends by the means. We are not God. We are only man. Okay? But God can do that. Uh, we cannot kill. Okay, but God can kill. That's within his province. So God is not like man. Well, I think you make a lot of really good points. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. Can you hear me okay? Uh, yeah. Can you hear me okay? Uh, I've, made a, I've talked about this subject with a lot of folks over the years. And... Usually the Arminians will, like you said, they have a twofold approach, especially as it relates to 45th chapter of Isaiah. They say that that uh, is not speaking of, they try to redefine what evil is, and they try to say that it's uh, catastrophes, okay, rather than evil. And like, for example, hurricanes and tornadoes and all of that, um, I usually don't get into the uh, argument with them about that, but what I do find is that in the 44th chapter of Isaiah, uh, he is really clear because he says, uh, I am the Lord, I'm reading in verse 24, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. 
And it goes on and says, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars and maketh diviners mad, that turneth wise men backward and maketh their knowledge foolish. And so he's not dealing with just tornadoes and volcanoes. He's dealing with people. And then, of course, we know the real important verse in Amos 3, uh, 6, it says, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city, and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city? And the Lord hath not done it. Again, uh, Amos is attributing the evil in the city, ultimately, to the Lord. Now, you made a really good point, too, Ed. There's a lot of people that lay the charge uh, against us who proclaim God's sovereignty over evil that we are making, uh, we're we're attributing unrighteousness to him. And we are not attributing anything other than absolute perfection and total holiness and righteousness of God, um, even though we are claiming that he authorizes or authors evil. Um, there, You can't bring the two together. In other words, God is separate from what he does. He's, he is independent of his creatures and of his creation. He can do whatever he wants to do. And that's what Isaiah attributes all the way through. He says, I am God and there is none beside me. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I even My hands have stretched out the heavens and all their hosts have I commanded. And, of course, we see the same thing in Ephesians 1.11, that he worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So uh, for those uh, those who are in the Arminian Jerusalem camp uh, that are proclaiming that there's this warfare and there's two powers, that's kind of the way I was raised, there's two powers, there's, there's Satan and there's God and you know, we're we're holding our breath to see who wins in the end type of thing, okay? And I, I'm glad you brought up Job because that's absolute proof that the devil is under the authority of God. We know that the devil is uh, ultimately uh, going to be cast into the bottomless pit. Um, and we also know that... Um, God cannot be God if he's not sovereign over the devil, okay, and all of evil, by the way. And so, um, yeah, so that's really a good point. And the people that you're mentioning, I, you know, a lot of people like to quote Geisler. He's written a lot of books, and he takes, you know, people need to know that Geisler is an Arminian. He's very much into uh, the free will of man and he would parallel people like David Hunt and people that, you know, um, he would be what I would call a uh, a potential salvation person, not an absolute salvation for his people. And there seems to be a parallel uh, for this as well, because um, those who proclaim that God is not sovereign over evil also proclaim that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world and made it possible that all men could be saved and back to what Ed was saying regarding man's free will. So, um, yeah, I'll leave off with that. I do have a question for you, Ed. As you you went through this, um, I'm just curious, was this video before you wrote your book um, the anti-gospel or after? 
afterwards. Oh, that's great. Because I was going to say, anyone that reads your anti-gospel and goes through all of the documentation in there can clearly see uh, where the argument uh, that these people are promoting that God is just, you know, he's sovereign. And I had, you know, I've said this before on Sermon Audio, I had a guy call me one night and tell me that uh, God is more sovereign. And I'm, everybody's heard this argument. God is more sovereign by giving man a free will than not. And, I, you know, I, I said to this fellow, can you explain the logic behind that? And he said, well, man desires freedom and God desires man to be free like he is. And God, because God has the ultimate freedom, he gives man his ultimate freedom to choose or reject him. That was his argument. Well, we know that Scripture is totally antithetical when I brought up election and predestination, when I brought up the ninth chapter of Romans, the children not yet being born, not having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. You know, he again took the Arminian argument and said that does not, uh, that's not a uh, attributing that to individuals, it's attributing to nations. Well, then if you take them down and say, well, let's just say that it is attributing to nations. Uh, why would he hate one nation and love another nation? <laughs> okay. So, but anyway, um, the question that I have is, um, how do you, uh, uh, when, when you're talking to people about evil, um, how do you reconcile? We've got all of this evil going on in the world. We know. We we point it out. We don't try to hide under the bushel. We don't try to um, de- deny that evil is occurring amongst us, and we take a stand against it. Uh, and I'm sure I've gotten this question by a lot of Armenians. They say, "Okay, based upon your position, God is sovereign over evil. Then why do anything?" You know, why why even take a stand? If God's in in charge of the whole thing, why don't you just uh, let it alone? And and I think that there is a tendency of some of us to, I mean, I I think my three favorite words in the English language is uh, God ordained it, (laughs) okay? Because we know God ordains all things. Uh, So how do you address that particular question? Well, the Bible gives is also a rule book of how we should live. Right, and so you you don't authorize evil, uh, you know. And and if, if and, and by and by the way, the 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 control that you have is to obey his commands. So he gives us commands to love one another, okay, as I have loved you. And so uh, we are to love one another. And so love is is not sin. Love is the opposite of sin. Love is the opposite of evil. Um, love is treating others the way you'd want to be treated. And so the, the answer uh, to that is by our conduct, we are not to do evil. We are to live the gospel, which is to love one another as God has loved us. And so, right. um, but the, the problem with the Arminian view is they have a different God and the it seems that what you do as far as loving one another is not in obedience. It's, it's, it's an expectation of some kind of reward. 
And I address that in my book, and it does seem to be a, a reward system under Arminianism. It's implied, okay, they don't come right out and say so. It's very cleverly done, um, but it does seem to be that you get more crowns if you do a little bit more. Get your crowns. I know people that are in these churches, and they, uh, the idea is that they have more blessings in heaven if they do more things. They, well, uh, yeah, and, and, and I, I was brought up in an environment uh, where it was even even more exaggerated in that uh, your salvation your salvation is dependent upon you're doing more things okay in other words uh, and they go back to the Sermon on the Mount and and then when Christ says you know I was in prison and you didn't visit me and I was hungry and you didn't feed me and all this. And so they bring the logic around that if you don't do all these things, uh, then obviously you're not one of his. And so they start making, you know, discernments about people and their works and associate that with their eternal salvation. Okay, and so there's, you know, there's a lot of exhortation. I agree with you about uh, Paul, about loving our neighbor and so forth. I was thinking in the First Timothy chapter 5, he says in verse 21, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, I like that, that phrase, and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. And so here he's, he's, he's talking about how we are to treat those in leadership in the church, how we treat the widows, how we're to treat those who are, um, um, you know, laboring in the word and so on. Uh, but again, he always he always separates out our eternal salvation and our election uh, from works. He says, "Be careful to, to maintain good works." In other words, you know, he doesn't say we should not. Maintain it. And the reason I'm getting into this is because I think a lot of people out there are really confused. Uh, there's a new movement it's called New Calvinism, and they have become almost uh, Nicolaitans, uh, almost to the point where, in other words, their idea is, you know, we can live any way we want to. We can sin in word, thought, and deed every day. Uh, we can, you know, in other words, let us sin so the grace will abound. And Paul was not teaching that. That's the furthest thing from what Paul was teaching. But Paul did make a distinction between the fact that our salvation is is a our good works are a result of our salvation, not not a prerequisite for it. And uh, right. So anyway, uh, yeah, go ahead and and. Uh, uh, continue. I didn't mean to to get off track. No, here. no, uh, no. I that uh, those were uh, necessary points uh, and clarifications. The mm-hmm. the interesting thing about this idea, the Arminian view of of God and, and his relationship with evil, his detachment from evil, is that they think. And uh, Chad Meister has, has actually said this. He's a uh, uh, professor of philosophy at Bethel College, so 
He's got the PhD, I guess. I'm, I'm guessing he has a PhD. They call him professor. So, uh, and he says that there's no qualitative difference, no qualitative difference between being the author of evil and being evil. So basically, he's saying if you're cre- if if you are the author of evil, if you're creating evil, that makes you evil. Mm. Wow, wow. Mm. To stop and think about the implications of that, Larry, this is really scary because, yeah. as you know, God is spirit. Right. Okay, so if you're if God says in Isaiah that I create evil and he says that there's no difference between being evil and creating evil, he's calling God an evil spirit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that, that is the unpardonable sin. Well, it reminds me of the ninth chapter of Romans, where in the verse 20 it says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus, you know? And yeah. so really, and it says, what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And so here we see we have absolute proof that God is, has authored evil, and he is not to be charged with being unrighteous because he does it. <laughs> okay. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so the the um, but I, it it just astounds me that you can have people like Chad Meister running around calling the God of the Bible. He doesn't understand the. I, I don't know if he understands it or not, because again, I don't consider him uh, truly a Christian pastor. I I consider him uh, a a a a, uh, a priest of Zoroastrianism. Because mm-hmm. that's what he mm-hmm. preaches, that God did not create evil, that evil is outside of his control, that man is doing this, Satan is doing this, and that's completely detached from God. To say that God is the author of evil is to say that God is evil. He's saying that, that there's no difference. That is a scary comment. And, um, you know, and, and Jesus said it in... Uh, in, in Mark, he said, but he that blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said he hath an unclean spirit. So to call God an unclean spirit or an evil spirit is what Jesus said is a sin that cannot be forgiven. Wow, I, I don't... I. I, I don't know if I'm misreading this. I don't want to go too far. I don't want to overstate it. But am, if, am, I, mis, am I misinterpreting the implications of what he's saying? Well, I think he also is, by, by if you take his logic to a, to a most logical conclusion, bring it to a logical conclusion, um, he is denying uh, the fact that there are elect and non-elect angels. I mean, in the 46th, chapter of Isaiah, the ninth verse, uh, Isaiah says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Before uh, Lucifer and the angels were created, God was there. (laughs) Okay, God was before all of that. And he goes on and he says in verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning 
And from ancient times, the things that are not yet saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Okay? And so he says, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. And so this is what God's purposes are in before creation uh, in the uh, and, and actually when the angels were created uh, and I know I go back to that a lot but you have to talk about the fact that Lucifer is a non-elect angel he was created such to do the purposes of God just like Pharaoh was created such he said for this very purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my glory through the whole earth and so God's purposes um, are beyond our understanding. Who can know the mind of God? Who has been his counselor? His ways are past finding out. But I I always like to go back uh, before the foundation of the world. I like to go back before the angels and see what God says about himself. And once we see what God says about himself, that leaves that leaves everyone out of the picture other than God for being over all things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look look what he did to Nebuchadnezzar. Right, right. I mean, now, now, now stop and think about it. Stop and reflect. Okay. He, he took his kingdom away. He made him like an animal to eat grass for seven years. Okay. Was, wasn't that an evil thing to do? Right. That was an evil thing right. to do. God did that. God, God right. brought evil on Nebuchadnezzar, okay? And what did Nebuchadnezzar do? He praised God. He said right. that all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing and doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? Wow. I mean, well, yeah, and you I... Know, and the, thing, I, the thing of it is, even in creation... God saw it, saw creation, and he saw it was very good. Uh, does that mean that all of creation was good? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I, 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 what do you, what do you take about that? What do you, how do you interpret well, that? Well, because... an, well, well, for an example, I, I, I take it kind of literally, but for example, in the third chapter of Genesis, the first verse, um, and you know, you can do a word study on this, but. It says now the serpent was more subtle, and if you look at the word subtle, uh, you know it can mean deceptive. It, it means uh, you know kind of underhanded, whatever. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. That's what it says. God made a subtle beast, and by the way, we know what the purpose of this subtle beast was. Okay, it was to entice, okay, and to lie about what God had said, correct? Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, so yeah, this, uh, this, that's uh, a really good point. Yeah, God created, God created, uh, now I know a lot of people will, will really, I'll probably catch it for this, but God created a liar. <laughs> okay, yes, he in did, the didn't he? In the serpent. Yes, yeah. he did. Now, where, where is that? Uh, can you cite that passage again? I yes, want to read yes. It's, it's in chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 1, and it goes through the whole account of the serpent beguiling Eve, of course. Yeah, you're right. The, it does say, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord 
had made. So he yeah. made the serpent to be more subtle. Mm-hmm. Now, the serpent that he made, was that possessed by Satan? Is that what's going on here? Yes, because we see yeah. if you go on through the passage, the serpent said unto the woman, "Ye shall not surely die. Right, right. Okay. No, I, I know the serpent was Satan, but, but is that what he's referring to when he talks about him make, be, being more subtle? But is he talking about Satan or is he talking about the actual serpent? Well, I think that uh, that's a really good point. Now, I have always uh, attributed uh, the serpent as, if you want to call it, a um, Lucifer personified in, 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 the, in the position of the serpent. This is really interesting because if you read Tex Mars' book on the serpent, he pretty much draws a parallel between the serpent and Lucifer and Satan. Remember, it says that he will he will bruise the head of the serpent. He's not. Right. He's talking. He's talking about Satan there. And right. so I believe I believe this is referring to Satan, uh, not none other than Satan himself. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. As I as I read this, it says now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. So yeah, I, I I'm I'm with you. I mean, I I kind of already knew that, but I just I yeah. didn't want to. Uh, I didn't. Want, I didn't want to be yeah. wrong. It's always good to ask questions. Yeah, I'm now that you now that you go through. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's no question about it. Yeah, I mean, in the fifth verse, it kind of he kind of gives himself away. He says, now he's, now he's talking about God. He says, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. Well, here we find that, you know, that's, that's what really, that was, the, that was the carrot. That's what she bought into was the fact that she wanted to be as God, okay? And mm. see, that's, exa- that's, that's why Lucifer fell in the first place. Remember what he said, I will arise and be as God. I will be like the Most High. Okay? Right, right. Yeah. But, so I think it's good to go back and see, look, you know, God created Satan. Satan was, and, and by the way, he, he created, and there's another passage, I'd have to look it up. We could do that. But it says that he was a murderer from the beginning. Speaking of Satan, from right, the time right. so so God created a murderer, okay? Yes, yes, yes. He, he created, and by the way, like you made a really good point when we were talking about this, Ed, and I, I think it needs to be restated that uh, the best example that we have in history is the passage that by the determinate hands of God you've taken and crucified. In other words, <laughs> God actually, by his own choice, uh, predetermined that Christ would be killed. Right. Okay? To glorify, again, the purposes was to glorify himself, okay? That's the purpose that he created Lucifer, the serpent. And so, it, anyway, that's uh, really, I, I agree with you that uh, those that try to lay the charge that we are making God unrighteous by just affirming the fact of what he did is is really close to charging God with something that man has no right to charge God with anything according to Scripture. That's not God. Well, well stop and think about it. Stop and think about it. What they're saying is 
that they think God, because that God did do these things. So what they're right. saying is, if God did these things, he's unrighteous. Right, right. And so they're saying, essentially, the God of the Bible is unrighteous. And that is a scary thing. Yeah, it is. It is. Because that, that you went on to point out, rightfully so, that if, if you take that logic to the logical conclusion, there is no perfect sacrifice. Jesus Christ was without Good. sin. He he bore our yep. sins. Yep. And like like you said, if if he goes to the cross to atone for our sin as a perfect unspotted lamb and he is spotted, we have no forgiveness of sin and the sacrifice is not effectual. That's right. You know. That's right. So. And yeah, and and see the thing is if if you look at uh Roger Olson, uh Again, another PhD, religious studies, Rice University. He says he calls the God of Calvinism. That's what he. That's how, how he refers to uh, the God he doesn't like, the God of Calvinism. He calls him a moral monster. Think about mm. that. Yeah. A moral monster. That's his description of the. And he calls him the God of Calvinism. Well, basically. Uh, what he's saying is the God who sovereignly elects um, he, people for salvation, that whom he sent his son to atone um, and by his grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. The, those things, the God who did those things is a moral monster. Wow. Think about that. I mean, this is this is... The, the lines are pretty clearly drawn. There can be no compromise with Arminianism. Their God is not the same God in the Bible, and they view the God of the Bible as a moral monster. And interesting that Olson himself said that he would not submit to such a God. Wow. Wow. And he hasn't. <laughs> yes. No. No. And and by the way, he's only stated what other Arminians actually practice and believe that the the God uh, that that is a sovereign God who elects people for salvation and others for damnation. They they will not submit to such a God. They want a God who's made in their image, aside from what the Bible says about God. And they want to go about their lives with their own God, created of their own theology. And it is a Zoroastrian, uh, Zoroastrian God, and, and that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a heathen God when you're dealing with Arminianism. Uh, well, you, you know, you, you, when, you, when know. you said that, I was thinking about, uh, and I don't know if you ever looked at this scripture in the light of what you're talking about. This really is... This scripture nails what you just said in Revelation 1, verse 18. Uh, Revelation 1, 18. This is Christ speaking here. He says, well, first he says, uh, fear not, I am the first and the last. And then he says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Now look at the last part of that verse. And have the keys of hell and of death. Think about that. Now, the Arminians don't believe that Jesus Christ has the keys of hell and death. 
They believe that we have the keys of hell and death. We are the ones by our own choice. I saw a sign the other day on a church says, you choose whether you go to hell or heaven. Okay? In other words, they're giving man the keys over hell and death, and Christ says, I'm the one that has the keys of hell and death. That is such a good point. I, as many times as I've read that passage, I, yeah. it's amazing. Wow, yeah. how, how iron sharpens iron. I'm yeah. telling you, that is amazing. You're absolutely right. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. Hi, Mark. How are you? Kevin, are you with us tonight? Brother Kevin is not feeling well today. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Mark, about it. Yeah, Mark, we're in the last uh, four minutes of our call here, and uh, uh, I uh, want to just open it up. Do you have any questions or comments regarding the discussion tonight before we bring this call to kind of a, a closure? I, I have the video in my YouTube queue. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I think everybody. I think that that's good. I think it's a good reference for us. I know that I got a call from sister, an uh, email from sister Louise thanking me, and she. Uh, it's just good material to back up, you know, because we've been so ingrained with this duality, dualism, you know, that God is sovereign, but He's not totally sovereign like Brother Edward Henry says. And, um, Ed, uh, do you have any final thoughts on this? We're coming to the end of the hour. Um, actually, I guess we've got a little bit more time. But we've got about seven minutes yet. Um, I, I had a question for you. This is uh, kind of back to what we were talking about again. And I, I, I encourage people to go through... Um, and read through the passages in Revelation where it's in red, okay, where Christ is speaking, because this is, will really open up, um, you know, this will really open up this subject. In fact, uh, let me just read one, one little thing. This is Christ speaking, and uh, he says in the, um, here we go, he says in verse 13, I know thy works where thou dwellest, even where Satan's, I'm sorry, I know thy works where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. So he's saying, you know, Christ says, I, I know even where Satan's seat is, thou holdest fast my name, thou hast not denied my faith, even in those days when Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. And then he goes through, and he goes through all this, you know, list of these different churches, and he he talks about things that he has against all these things. And uh, And then he goes and he says, as he goes on down to the end of the chapter, he says in verse 24, But unto you I say unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which, not, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my words in the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and so on. 
and he says he shall rule them with a rod of iron as a vessel of, of a potter shall they be broken to shivers even as I received of my father and I will call him the morning star now we can get into that but a lot of people say that that is not Christ that's the devil okay he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches and as he goes through this and I would encourage you all to read chapter 3 of Revelation I think it will really be because this is exactly what this shows the total power of God over Satan is what it's showing. And it's showing that he has, you know, I mean, this even gets into a lot of subjects. I mean, in the third chapter, Revelation, the ninth verse, he says, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Okay? So he's showing a separation there from whom he loves and those he does not. And um, then again, he begins to say uh, at the end of the verse, at the end of the third chapter, he says in the 21st verse, he says, to him that overcometh like grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Okay. The thing that I've got from reading Revelation is that Christ sets forth that he, he has total power over Satan. He's created Satan for his own purposes and he's, he's already, he's already won the victory, but yet, uh, this last uh, final, final uh, chapter uh, in, in, in history will show that who he is and what he's done for himself. And that's how he ends the whole book of Revelation in, in, in you know, 13th verse. He says, I am Alpha. And back to the beginning and the ending. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end the first and the last. And then he says in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So he makes sure he tells people he is the bright and morning star, not Lucifer. Okay? And so there's a lot in that. But I, uh, uh, I want to thank you, Ed, for coming on and uh, showing us what these people are teaching, how convoluted it is. Once mm-hmm. you put once you put someone um, up against God Almighty, you don't even have to put them on an equal par with God. If you even put, if you question God's sovereignty in one area, like I've said so many times, I love it. And actually, I got this. I stole this from my brother. I heard him talk to a guy one night. And, I thought, oh, I like that. I'm going to keep that. But my brother's always saying there are no maverick molecules with God. Okay? Mm-hmm. It, it, God is over all things, and by him all things consist. He created all things, and, it, and that's why if we go back to Colossians uh, 1, we can see the purposes behind him creating Satan. And, you know, 
the principalities that he's talking about there, by the way, you know, it, he tells us in even in Colossians 2, verse 10, ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. Well, what is principalities? If you want to look that up, he is the head of all principality and power. Okay, he says the same thing in verse 16 of Colossians 1. He says, for by him were all things created, that includes Satan, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, and there's that word again, or principalities, all powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And that includes that includes evil. So um, I'm going to turn it over to Ed and let him kind of finish up any final thoughts he has, and we will uh, we'll call it a night. Go ahead, Brother Ed. I would just quote from Psalms, uh, chapter 145, verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. Mm. That's so <laughs> that's the way we will punctuate this. That's good. The Lord, what's, what verse is that? Um, 145.17, Psalms. 145.17, okay, good. That's excellent. Uh, yeah, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. Well, we hope that uh, this has been uh, edifying, and thanks, Ed, for, for joining us tonight. And uh, if anyone has a possible um, subject matter for a talk show, send it to me. Uh, and we'll uh, take it under advisement. Thanks, Ed, and you all have all right. a great great evening, and thank you, Mark, as well. Okay. All right. Good night. Thank you, Larry. God bless you. Yes. Good night. Yes. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today, and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh. 